What's happening, folks? Welcome to another episode of the Curious Cats podcast with me, your host, Ricky Spears, and co-host, Chris Walton. Today's guest should need no introduction. If you're a proud Brit and you haven't heard of Dame Kelly Holmes, then take your hand, screw it up into a fist, and ram it into your face. Only joking. Don't really do that. Do it. Um, Dame Kelly Holmes, first off, is a very inspirational woman, very caring and giving um, she's a founder of her own charity, the Dame Kelly Holmes Trust. Um, she's a, obviously a retired Olympic gold medalist athlete. She's a world record holder. She has an MBE. She's got an OBE. She's a business owner and she still to this day continues to train, train like an athlete. Enough noise from me. Please enjoy Dame Kelly Holmes. That's all right. Um, yeah, let's just jump straight into it. Dame Kelly Holmes, thanks a lot for, for coming on and chatting to me and Chris. Welcome. Thank I was, you. <laughs> so you just finished with our own Chris Walton hours today's session, all right? Yeah, good session. We worked on arms and a bit core today. I've been doing a lot of leg work lately. Yeah. Did the Ride London 46 yesterday. Oh, and right, uh, nice. part runs on Saturday and other runs. So yeah, I thought I'd give them a bit of a break. How long was the ride? It's a... Well, it was 46 miler. I was doing it with 500 young people that I've been supporting through a charity program called Prue Goals. So I was kind of in and out of them. So it makes it almost harder because you're not doing your own thing. Yeah. And it was raining, cold. Oh, yeah. So you're, you know, yeah, you're aware of your own safety, others' safety, everyone else's. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's quite stressful. After saying pretty shattered. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, get out of my way. <laughs> still not competitive though. Still <laughs> never. <laughs> Apart from I was saying to Chris, there was this lady on a bike, kind of those ones that you get in um, Finland or something, sort of a bit upright, not brilliantly big tyres, and she was absolutely caning. I was convinced she had an electric bike. <laughs> and then we got to this stop point and asked her, and she went, no, she does all this weird sort of talent stuff on a bike where she's strong and standing on top of her saddle and handlebars as she's pushing it down. I was like, no, oh, really? you're mad. She was literally, and I, I've got this lightest bike, carbon, carbon frame, carbon wheels. Yeah. And last six miles, got so cold, I thought I've got to warm myself out and I was absolutely hammering it. And she was like. <laughs> <laughs> she cruised past. Yeah, obviously, yeah, upright. You know, might as well have a basket. Nice. But yeah. What's, what's your training routine sort of look like these days, generally? You mix it up, right? Yeah. For the past couple of months, I've just literally been doing everything and anything. Yeah. One, because I do it through social media, trying to motivate and engage people, inspire people just to give things a go. Yeah. I think that's important for most people's fitness ambitions is just to be fit and not be intimidated and yeah. try new things to find something you find you enjoy yeah so i've been going around the country um basically <laughs> jumping into people sessions i've done weird and wonderful things so i was just doing fitness but <clears throat> before that uh, when i met chris like well, nearly nearly a year ago now um we were starting to do like improving strength and things yeah so i'm kind of getting back into that because i want to increase my running right so even though i've been obviously as you know a runner most of my life it hasn't been my priority probably the last 10 years so but I'd like to get back into my running okay but I don't want to break down as yeah. much as I used to so it's important for me to sort of keep the strength going so this is where Chrissy boy comes in nice nice so you're still sort of saying getting back into running still sort of looking at the same sort of distances you used to compete <laughs> at or you go longer now no, or? no 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 I don't think I'd ever do it 8 and 15 again that's hard work <laughs> it doesn't sound it but it is at that speed yeah yeah you know, no, speed I believe endurance, you break down so much so 
Now, I've been doing 5K park runs, which I like. So, you know, there's over 500 park runs around the world now, yeah. which are free to everybody on a Saturday. Right. 5K. So it's all by the same firm? Yeah. yeah. And, and so is, it, is it a for-profit business? Um, no, not not for profit. So it's all free to the end user, which is the people turn up at the par- parks. Yeah. But they get sponsorship for the overall piece because, the, you know, it's, a, it's such a big thing now. Yeah. You know, the website's amazing. You get your results, like, within probably an hour of finishing. And it's massive. Yeah, they're everywhere, aren't they? Everywhere. And it got started by either five or seven guys in Bushy Park uh, a few, quite a few years ago now. Right. And now it's it's incredible. It's like, you know, I go to my local one, which is Tunbridge. We're in seven minutes now. Tunbridge. Get 500, 600 runners on a Saturday morning. Oh, really? Yeah, so nice. I, I do what they call is park run tourists. So I go to different park runs yeah. around and just turn up. But are you turning up just incognito or, or, or are you, have they invited you there to, you don't have to like start it or anything? Yeah, or both. So right. <laughs> most of the time they know I'm coming because I've, ter- I've gone somewhere random and I just, you know, text the organiser and say, oh, I'm just going to come. Yeah. And then for them, it's nice. So yeah, sometimes I start. Yeah, <laughs> No, 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 no. I just turn up literally five minutes before the start, always late. Five minutes before the start. <laughs> either start it or chat to them. Normally chat to everybody. Yeah. Then it goes. And yeah. then I run in between everybody and then go off. Unless I want to have a good run, then I just turn up, wave, because people have seen me. But yeah, I just yeah. go for it and don't Especially talk. Especially in Tunbridge, right? You can't. Yeah. Like but this out. Tunbridge idea, see, some that's the thing because sometimes I want to have a good run, yeah, and you know, just get a run and go. But obviously, if I do it where they know I'm coming, I'd really like to engage with everyone, so I'm kind yeah, of right. still going for it, but I'm chatting as well, so yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. a hard process to run. So. I guess if you go to any like competitive event like that and then don't put in some kind of performance. Do you feel like people are like, well, she's lost it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm very aware of um, those that want to gloat on the fact they beat me. So I right, do say yeah. to them, look, I'm now this age and uh, I don't run to train. Because the, the great thing about park run is you could be someone that's never run before in their life and walk for 5K. Yeah. You could take your child, or you can take your dog or the buggy, whatever it is. Or you could be an avid athlete that competes all the time and they use park run as a training tool and a switch off. So it's kind yeah. of fun as well as yeah, getting a good it. time and everything in between. So it doesn't really matter, you know, yeah. and that's what I say to everyone. For me, the park run is about social interaction, your own fitness goals and your mental health goals as well, well-being, because a lot of people are there for all different reasons. You know, yeah. some I've talked to are like gone 80, you know, and they've done 300 park runs, you know, and then you've got those others that have come back from a heart um, a heart uh, problem and they're using that as a, a, a gradual fitness tool. Yeah, so yeah. that's what I like. So for me... I do it because I can just do it and enjoy it. I'm not under pressure to try and win. Yeah. I, I end up trying to see if I'm the first woman. I have got that in my head a little bit. <laughs> so luckily, <laughs> nearly all of them apart from one, I've been the first woman, first in my age group and in the top 10. So I'm quite, I'm still quite happy. It's not bad out yeah. of 600 people, is it still? I guess you age. don't lose that <laughs> level of competitiveness though, right? That's it. It's definitely not fitness, no. <laughs> running fitness, because I'm busted after. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm just like, like, yeah, I really enjoy it. it. I'll go through any amount of pain to win. (laughs) (laughs) It's just for fun. It's just for fun. But you probably can't, after being a competitive athlete, a gold medalist competitive athlete, there must be that thing in you that you can't really switch off as well, right? Uh, I don't know. I think 
I think because of all the different journeys I've been through, because my, you know, my athletics journey wasn't easy. You know, injuries upon injuries upon injuries. You're fighting all the time to be at your top game. So I don't think I have that anymore. I'm my own competitor, which most people should be. You know, you should be wanting to beat yourself or better yourself. And that's yeah. what I am. I don't really have in my head now, you know, that I'm going to, you know, they're running 15 minutes for a park run. I'm not going to do that. I'm not a 5K yeah. runner. I don't train to be a 5K runner. I'm never going to do that. So there's no point in me battering myself. But right, if I yeah. know that actually I want to get a good 5K time and I set a time in my head, yeah. then that's what I go for. Aim for that. Yeah, and then if that means I'm, you know, further up the line, if you think about it, most of the times I've done a park run, I'm just running at my best. So if I run even sub-19, for me, that's brilliant. I've never done 5Ks when I was an athlete. It just wasn't my yeah. jockey bicky, you know. Yeah. I don't like that <laughs> sort of thing. But, um, you know, you go there and then you hopefully inspire people because, you know, I do the park run, say, in Tunbridge, come fifth, everybody's in the age category 20 to 25 or whatever, and I'm in the 45 to to 49 you know and those are the ones that beat me so if I've inspired then women to keep fit older people to keep going and younger people because they see me still there then brilliant for all of us what would you say say to the people that have the mindset of it's easy for you you're an athlete um well I think training's hard if it's hard as you make it isn't it you know it doesn't really matter it's hard for everybody because it's what gains you want to get you know what results do you want so anyone can train easy yeah and we all have our days where we just don't want to or going through the motions yeah that's fine we can all do that and every single person can train easy whether it's swimming you know just a nice easy stroke or sitting on a bike reading your book you can all train easy or you can go i've got in one hour and i'm going to max out that one hour yeah so I don't really care if people sort of say to me, oh yeah, it's easy for you. I'd say, and it's not easy because I'm trying to achieve this. Yeah, I think And then they look at it and go, oh, you know. Also <laughs> what I like to um, try and get across on the podcast is there's a def- definite thing of people looking at successful people and, mm. and, and trying to take away something from them by saying, oh, it's easy for you. But yeah. there's actually a hell of a lot of people don't see behind the scenes. So as in work yeah. that you constantly put in, because there's a, understand yeah. you probably it's train an overnight success yeah it's taken 30 years to be it yeah. yeah yeah you know when i won my two gold medals in athens i was 34 i'd started running as an elite athlete when i was 23 i was a junior international athlete from the age of 12 right so um <clears throat> and in between had a 10-year army career so it was a long process and a long journey yeah. and the thing is you train you know, when you become an elite athlete, it's completely different because it becomes your career and your lifestyle. So you wake up in the morning, it's all evolves the whole day around performance. So whether that's nutrition, sleep, training, recovery, yeah. that's your whole day, yeah. you know? And so it's constant, you're thinking about it. You might go shopping, but then you think to yourself, God, I've got a session tonight. I can't be walking around for an hour. Yeah, right. So you have to quickly go around and go, you know, it's little things like that that people don't see behind the scenes. And then the training's so intense because you're always trying to hit targets. Yeah. You know, you might have a rest day, but the actual training is always target driven. And that can be long-term goals like four-year plan for the Olympics or medium goals which is one year plan for every championships or short-term planning which is like the season that actual season that you're competing and i we used to have like a sort of three parts to our season sort of um end of season recovery around uh sort of september time 
and then you have like October to March and then March to uh, the season again which our season started sort of April through to August right and so then you're within that you know you've got monthly training plans weekly training plans daily training plans and then even sessions it's all written down you know yeah. you know the times you've got to hit recoveries you're going to take it's it's really intense yeah so it's completely different so i don't think anyone can really compare themselves to a mindset of an olympian because it is that whereas most people are trying to be really really good at running cycling whatever and juggle their their lifestyles yeah but those people I take my hats off to because all these people that run, say, marathons and do these long bike runs, they're doing it hours before they go to work, hours after they go to work, using their holiday to go and train and compete. And that's a big commitment. And that's what it is. It's commitment. You know, anyone in life who's done well in any industry have worked damn hard to get there. Yeah. No one sees behind the scenes. Nothing's yeah. easy. Yeah. Otherwise, okay, we'd all be doing on, it. On that note, so th th there must have been a time period whereby you were transitioning from being in the military to an elite athlete. Mm -hmm. At what point do you get, like obviously you must have known at some point this is what I want to do for good. Mm. But at some point shortly before that, when you're in the military, you didn't know. During that transition, how do, how do you go about um, getting the funding to, to actually say, right, I can leave this behind and now I'm gonna, this is gonna Move be my, my full-time thing. And at what point did that happen for you? Um, well, I, I was, a, like I said, junior international athlete. I did my last competitive race when I was 17 because I went into the army when I was 18 or just before I was 18. So I'd given up my career. But I knew, I knew from the f age of 14 that what I wanted to do. I mm. wanted to be in the army as a physical training instructor and Olympic champion. So I always yeah. had that in my head. Um, it was what happened? <laughs> exactly, I know. You know, why did it take so bloody long? <laughs> uh, I think the transition, the hardest one was, I suppose, getting back into athletics because I was still in the military. So when I first came back into international athletics, I was just encouraged by a guy that used to see me run as a junior and said, oh, you should get back into running. And I was like, oh, you know, I was quite enjoying my army life and it's, I suppose, comparative to being in the... Uh, been at uni, you know, <laughs> was having fun, yeah, yeah. <laughs> drinking and doing whatever. Yeah. And then it was, and I was competing for the army as well. But then when you start going, oh, I'm going to compete for Civvy Street again, it's a whole new ball game because, you know, you've got, again, dates in the diary, targets to meet, championships to go for, and it becomes a whole new ball game. But I was first and foremost a soldier. I mean, that's really what I wanted to do. Did you love that? Yeah, I loved it. I loved all, it when you talked to me about yeah. You always seem quite passionate about it. Yeah. Oh, God, I love being in the army. I was like in charge of everyone's fitness. I mean, how can you not? Yeah. You know, especially when I have to do it. Yeah. So <laughs> no, you just beast people. Exactly. <laughs> but no, I came back into athletics because I watched the 92 Olympic Games in Barcelona. I saw a girl that was running who I used to compete against here in Kent. And I was like, oh, man, I've got to do that. So I got back into athletics. Well, well, well you, saw, you saw someone who you used to run against. Yeah. But, but you were better then, right? That's it. I used to beat oh, them, and they're in the Olympics right. in the yeah. three thousand meters, oh, and I'm really? sitting in my barrack room in the army, like whoa. whoa. <laughs> right. So that was the turning point, was it? Yeah, like, oh, just the motivation up. to go for my second dream, almost. Yeah. But not to give up the army because that was a career. You know, I was getting a good wage. I believed I was good at my job. I was in charge of soldiers' fitness. Loved it. And so I juggled. So the first uh, five years of my international career I juggled my army career as well 
I used to use my leave in the army to go away and compete internationally. So when, when you were doing your the PTI yeah. p- part of your career in the army, how old were you then? Uh, started when I was 21. So you were training the other soldiers, male and female? Yeah. As a 21-year-old? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, as a corporal in the army. Uh, yeah, I was training all the guys. Yeah, and most of the time there's only maybe three of us in the gym looking after... 500 soldiers, so you're right. in charge of everything, yeah. Wow. So that's, I mean, it was a good career to have, especially yeah. if you're into fitness and, you know, those yeah, days it wasn't as much as it is now. It was all very, you know, hits taken over from circuit training and it's yeah. all just come round in full circles and just call right. things different now, let's face it. Yeah. <laughs> we no, we've taken all that before. Yeah, you know, just, it's just <laughs> names, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah, so true. yeah, I got back into athletics and within six months of getting back as a, senior athlete I was in the world championships in Stuttgart but that was a turning point because I was running there got to the semi-final I think and then came back and I was staggering on um, in the army in the middle of the night fog coming down weapon in my hand thinking <laughs> I was at world championships with Limper Christian Sally Gunnell just become yeah. world champion and then next thing I'm like staggering on <laughs> in the barracks I'm like hold on but I carried now, that what, on what did you say staggering on yeah what so well, basically you have to have guard duties so after your normal work duties during yeah. the day you have a guard duty however many times a month and that means you have to stay in the guard room throughout the whole night and uh, secure the barracks basically so go around with your weapon and make sure you haven't got There's intruders no baddies yeah. stagging S-T-A-G-G-I-N-G yeah oh, I've never heard of that have you? no never heard of the term oh, there's, a lot, there's a lot of military <laughs> lingo yeah. Yeah. yeah so what would not you said after normal work day what would yeah. that be, what would that be in the army mine I'd start at five in the morning because you you have to do most of the PT early morning before people start their normal jobs whatever right. their job is and then um so I used to do PT session, uh, not PT, but physical training sessions throughout the um, day. Lunchtime was quite big, getting people in. So don't forget you've got different people in different roles in the military. So if I was at a signalman, you've got people that go out front line. You've got people that are doing all the sneaky beaky signal stuff or whatever. And you've got medics and you've got guard staff and you've got admin staff. You know, right, it's yeah. The, the army life is the same as civil life it's just in uniform in and yeah. under discipline rules so every barracks has a range of you know you've got paymasters who do the paychecks you've got drivers you've got everything in there so all of them have to uh you have they have to do pt yeah oh it's compulsory for everyone to yeah right it's compulsory for everyone to do pt so right. your whole you as a physical training instructor your day is taking the various sessions and then you do lunchtime activities and you might get them ready for a competition or something so i'd start at five in the morning probably finish at six or seven at night and then i'd go straight into the guard room and then you stag stay on. there so you stag on until yeah seven <laughs> and you get you get two i think you get how how often do you have to do that episode. stagging how often do you, just uh, once a month depend no four times a month what or if you change duties, which I did because I used to use my leave to go away, so then you change your duties, so you end up having loads because oh, right. push them all into one. Up, Hence yeah. why I come back from World Championships and have to slag on that night. I was like, nah, <laughs> <laughs> what's all this about? That must be must have been weird. Bit of a change of hats coming from athlete right back into the army. And yeah, so you were saying earlier well, about that kind of around. how do you transition? Sometimes you juggle before people yeah. make that 
crucial step to move on. Yeah. So in a, in a career, you know, you could be in a career that you're secure, you know what you're doing, you're getting a good pay pack, paying your mortgage, doing whatever, and but in your head you feel like there's something else for you or yeah. something else you want to achieve. Yeah. And it's hard to make that leap of faith. Leap. Yeah. But if you really want it, you have to do it because. Yeah you know how do you know you know it's risks most people take risks who move on and change yeah. and then they feel happy for it so but i didn't want to take the risk of leaving because i loved being in the army the reason why i left in 97 so it's 27 was because i got a really really bad injury at a world championships in athens i ruptured my calf completely into all my achilles and when i went to back to barracks i meant i couldn't be a p the pti i wanted to be right. and i couldn't do the athletics so i was in this kind of well, that wasn't the idea. I yeah. wanted to do both as good as each other yeah. or end up doing one brilliantly and I couldn't do it either at that sure, time. Yeah. So I was like, I have to get out. <laughs> right. So I'd then become a sergeant. So I was quite happy that I'd had a really good career. Would have loved to have stayed in, but you know, when, you got, when you're Olympic level, so the year before in 96, I went to my first Olympic games um, and in Atlanta and I ended up coming fourth, getting pipped on the line into fourth because I was running with a stress fracture right and in my head is like oh if I can come fourth in an Olympic final with a stress fracture I know I can win the Olympics so it was that sort of decision the next year getting injured again thinking hold on a minute I could actually go for the Olympics here so right. that's what I ended up doing deciding to do that so you say you went you become a sergeant in the army which is yeah so you have ranks role completely right uh, it's rank so in army it's ranks it's like promotion you know so start as a private lance corporal corporal sergeant staff sergeant and then you become white officer warrant officers and then or you can go the officer route which is where you get pips and that's different things right so you either work to become an officer or get given it on a plate just because you're brainy okay so that that calf injury mm. was that's a real turning point right because mm. isn't it that, like that's a serious injury like yeah. to, to rupture your calf to that degree yeah how then did you start all over and i mean what what was it was it obviously you have to do some serious rehab for that but yeah, there must really have been did. a period where you had you couldn't do anything yeah i mean that was serious injury they said my career would be over because i can it was a complete rupture from one side to the other and then tore the Achilles, like my Achilles didn't. Well, did you do that it. during a competition? Right. Yeah, I was favourite yeah. to win the world championships in Athens, and I'd got a niggle in my Achilles tendon so two weeks before or something. So I got treatment on that, and clearly wasn't that great. So the calf went instead of snapping the Achilles. I think that was probably the just thing. mid so run. I just hoppered, yeah, so I just hobbled down the track. It was the first race, the first day of the championships. They had no oh, stretchers out, no, they weren't organised, you know, and I'm just <laughs> having to get down like 200 metres around the track, trying to like hobble and drag the leg. It was a bit emotional. Isn't that bizarre? <laughs> like, that wouldn't happen now, surely, would it? That they... no. no, 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 it'd be a bit more organised. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> just ironic that it was yeah. in Athens and then obviously yeah, of a few course, years later yeah. won two golds there, so got... I got payback. You need their stretches, <laughs> did you? <laughs> How um, long was that period between that injury at the championships and the Olympics in Athens? Uh, seven years. Seven years. Yeah. So Athens, two thousand four, right? Yeah. So that was, yeah. So the thing is, I like I said, I had a long career, um, 
There was a turning point in terms of injuries because you realise then at an elite level as an athlete that you have to dedicate yourself to full-time, being a full-time athlete because you just can't juggle because you're pushing yourself to such a, an extreme. There's a fine line between being really, really fit and ready and then going over and getting injured. Yeah. But you never know where that fine line is because every year you're different, your nutrition changes, your mindset changes the type of training you might do compared to the year before because you want to tweak it changes and then that line moves and it's only when you're hitting targets or winning races where you know you're at your top game with with the olympics being like the pinnacle of like any athlete's career i always find it whenever i'm watching i always find it like puts really puts me on edge <laughs> that such a fine line so like a a mistake on the bike or you know someone trips when they're running yeah and then like for that whole olympiad like or, or even longer right so yeah, eight twelve years might be just gone and yeah. like that's not on is it's it pressure. <laughs> brutal, <laughs> brutal pressure isn't it well it really is because you know that date in the diary doesn't change for you so when you're planning your four years for the next olympic games yeah once they bring out the uh you know the kind of um timetable it That's almost, where you're going it, to. It almost seems a bit unfair. <laughs> like, I, I remember, do you remember Linford Christie when he was, um, he did the two false starts? Yeah. 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 It's a bit like, imagine that, two false starts for your Olympic gold. No. Yeah, well now it's one and, and out. And he was a favourite, right? One and out now. It's one it? and out now. And only the first person. So if one person gets a false start, then that's one for everyone. So the next person that gets it is out. But that, that has to happen because yeah. the championships, honestly, for the 100 metre men's, when they've got eight heats, you could be there for three hours. If everybody has two chances, yeah, you'll be, the, it's just, it was ridiculous, you know, right. because if everybody has one strike and then you're yeah, out you the might next, as well take a risk to, <laughs> yeah, you know, to like just pip it. Yeah. So they've surely. just brought it into being that part of being a 100 metre runner is the starting point if you go before the gun and you've ruined you know you're the one that's ruined that yeah. so it becomes tense for them but you know it's the same as a 800 meter runner if they run two feet on a track on the line yeah. when they go around the bend they're out is it two feet is it two foot plant yeah like on, on the on the line so you can do one yeah so if you get can you do one then two. go back in then do another <laughs> <one>. <laughs> yeah i think you can <laughs> so there was uh, one of the best middle distance runners maria matola who i was my biggest rival she got pulled out of one of the world championships for hitting the line twice and she is literally by far it didn't make any difference to her performance she didn't gain anything yeah. by doing it but she was out so rules are rules though aren't they yeah you know and you have to have those rules because other people are breaking other all the others so yeah have some rules yeah, yeah. Going on there. that's pressure though <laughs> that's pressure all of that time effort four years energy that's yeah, gone into get it and you stand up, on a line injured. twice yeah but you know you get it's that's part of it isn't it yeah i guess so you know because you could run erratic during that day you could lose your head you could just be tripped up by somebody else who's fallen in front of you and you know I've had that it's, it's I mean there'd be murders if someone tripped you up <laughs> <laughs> that. I know I got tripped up at world indoor championships I was favorite for a gold medal got tripped up just literally bounced on the line it was the same year as I won the Olympic Games did, in you, lose, did you lose your shit then you? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> I bet little things like that are actually turn into motivation eventually anyway right yeah it does. It depends how your head is. You know, yeah. most people give up too easy. That's the problem right. in anything when it doesn't go right. But there's a reason why it's not going right. You're either not ready, you haven't prepared properly, or someone's better than you. Yeah. So you've got to be better than them. So 
I think it can make you strong if you're more determined to do it and then the outcome becomes so much better. Yeah. So yeah, I could have given up since 96, having stress fracture, ruptured cartilage, Achilles, glandular fever, tonsillitis, depression, all those things before I won the Olympic Games. Yeah. I didn't give up, you know, I believe in fate anyway. I believe yeah. if you're really gonna do something, it's gonna happen, but beside fate, you gotta stay in the game because if you give up, you're not there, are you? Yeah. And it's worse to live with the if only than the, oh, well, I tried. Was that yeah. your self-talk <laughs> during it? Because the, there must've been a few low points where you were close to just quitting and saying, well, maybe there wasn't, I don't know, where you were like, oh, I'm not gonna get gold. It's been however long, I'm not there yet. Were you ever close to sort of giving up? And if so, what is it that just made you carry on? Um, I don't think I was really ever close to giving up because I never thought about finishing my career. I never thought about retiring. I never thought that it's going to come to the end because in that moment, you're just, you can only be in that moment any year. Yeah. Because if you're thinking too far ahead, well, <laughs> who knows, you know? So yeah. that's the good thing with athletics or sport generally, if you do have a yearly plan because you, you're going from one to next rather than too far ahead, right, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah So yeah, you know where your ultimate... cycles that you can... Yeah, because Olympics is every yeah. four years, so you can't think about four-year period because what if, like you say, you put only four years into that one moment and right. then, you know, you're ill, injured or whatever. So yeah. you have to think of every race being something special or something good. Yeah. So each time I had setback, yeah, sometimes I think it, in the early days it was more of a motivation to think that if I can get that far with that problem, then I'm good enough to be better than anyone else, you know? That's what I used as a motivation, is where I'd already been. Yeah. People forget how good they have been in the past or could be when something's going wrong. So they just use all the negatives around that situation rather than thinking, hold on a minute, I've already lifted this, pushed this, entered these, whatever it is, I can get back to that. Yeah. I just gotta change or deal with the issue right now. So I never really ever had, I'm gonna give up, had lots of people told me I'm never gonna run again or you know, there's no way you can get back from this. I had a lot of outside negativity. Really? Um, I was almost a driver to push prove them wrong, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> On the, um, uh, the actual, um, at the Olympics itself in 2004. Yeah. You're probably sick of talking about this. <laughs> no. Um, am I right in saying you weren't actually gonna do both events until uh, like a few days before? Yeah. <laughs> is that right yeah it's true. so you, what your what was your favorite was 800 or f no. 15 um i'd always wanted to be 1500 meter champion since i was 14 right so that was really my focus but in my career um before the olympics i'd won 10 major medals, well, 11 actually but 10 main ones five had been at 800 and five had been at 15 right. based on fitness levels or coming back or injuries i'd had mm. So I never really knew what my best was as such, but my, my dream was always a 1500. And the only reason I decided to do the 800 was because my training that year for 800 had gone brilliantly. I'd won all of my international races for 800. I'd lost all of my 1500 meter races that year. Oh, really? Yeah, because of pressure, because in my head it's like, <laughs> I've got to win this, I've got to win this. And I messed up every single 1500 meter race. The 800 meter, uh, runs and the Grand Prix circuit, I was being like the world's best. And everyone's going, well, why didn't you do the 800? But I didn't want, I wanted to do the 15. So the 800 came about because I thought if I could come away with two medals of any color, that would be a great end of a career. 
never yeah. really thought about winning. I never thought about winning gold in the 800 ever. It was never in my psyche to do How it. Funny. Never thought I'd be good enough to be. So, so when, <laughs> right, so you turn up. Yeah. <laughs> not on the day. <laughs> but you know you're doing the 1500. Um, and obviously there's heats that are involved in getting to the final. But with the 800, do they, do they cross paths? So do you do, or was it you got, got <coughs> yeah, all of no. the 1500 that way and then you do all of the 800? So I'd been selected to do both. Yeah, to I mean, I'd been selected that. to do both because I was the number one in the UK and I'd won the UK champ. So I'd already earned my place in the, them. I just had to make the decision whether I was going to enter both yeah. at the champs. So I decided two days before because my training for the 800 had been like brilliant and I was running the fastest times I'd ever run in my whole career. So I decided the eight to do heat semi-final, day off final, heat semi-final, day off final. So 800 was first and the 1500. So that was the biggest decision really of doing the eight because by doing the 800, I was risking yeah, that's what everything for the 15, yeah. you know, being tired, getting injured, tripping up. But I was in, I literally was in the shape of my life. You know, I, the training had been like, absolutely immense i'd had a yeah. guy who was helping me when i was over and we were in cyprus with the british team so uh every training session i'd done was getting better i was recovering well but i was eating really well so the difference was is that even though i'd been really good over that period of time i don't think that any one element i'd really f focus on every single element properly yeah because when you're injured you're just thinking about the injury or you're you know you're something else gets left behind whereas when you're in good shape and you feel good and you're happy you're thinking about everything so i was thinking about the training being spot on recovery being spot on ice baths massage sleeping properly eating really well pre-performance post-performance i was eating like a horse but i was losing weight i was so strong but i was it was i was getting it right yeah so you get the rewards of that and you know, the rewards were, I was getting stronger, fitter, healthier, you know, and it all just came faster. It was all just there. So when I did the 800 meters, I thought I can win a medal here. I just knew I could win a medal because my times were mm. saying I could win a medal. So I just thought if I can go and get a medal at that games, at the 800, brilliant. Yeah. Because my recovery was so good in terms of my speed endurance that I trained how I race. So I would train hard, hard day off, hard, hard, yeah, yeah. hard day off, hard. I train like that so that when I come to racing, the racing actually is quite easy. Right. You know, training is longer than two minutes and a run is two minute, 158 or something. Yeah. So actually, when I came to do the 800 heats and semi final, it was like so easy. Yeah. You know, because I was just jogging for two minutes, really, it yeah. felt like. Do you think then that, that um, taking part in that and winning that, like mm. in the way that you did, yeah. did you surprise yourself winning that? Because <laughs> yeah. you, obviously you're, in both races, you came, from the back. you weren't like leading the whole race no. where you came from the back. So did you, I, mean, you know, I know you surprised Strategy. yourself in the, in the 1500. <laughs> oh, well, um, the 800, I shocked myself because I just didn't think I could, I didn't think about winning. I don't know, I yeah. just thought and about. you did, you're like, oh, right. <laughs> I did watch it yesterday do. on your, um, you finished a TED talk with the footage of it. it yeah. Was it the 800? 800 with my eyes. from the back and um, there was a few seconds you didn't know if you'd won it and then they put it up on the board and you realised that yeah. you had actually got it. Yeah, was that the that's 800? the 800. Yeah. So the 800's the one where I'd won it by fitness of this top I've got on, this thin top. 
Like literally. Zero, 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 point whatever. Pick for the second. It was ridiculous. But win's a win. I've yeah. lost by that and also <laughs> I'll yeah, take true, the win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so I won that I was shocked about that. I didn't expect to I just didn't expect to win it. Yeah. Do you think that then galvanised you for the fifteen hundred? So obviously you've you're yeah. like, Well, oh, I can do that, so yeah, I think I just relaxed. I mean, the hardest yeah. race was doing the heats of the 1500 because you walk into Olympic Stadium, Brits are pretty good at supporting the Olympics, you yeah, know? Yeah. So they're all going mad and they're announcing me as like an Olympic champion. You know, something I wanted to do 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, suddenly I'm being announced as Olympic champion and I have to focus. I mean, I was just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> just literally yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, it was literally like that. They were all going mad. Kelly Holmes, Olympic champion, like, oh, me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so stand on the start line, and suddenly, like, the gun goes, I'm like, oh. Still waving. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it was a really hard race just to get back in the zone, you know. Yeah, I mean, right. how to get back in the zone. Yeah. And so. I just thought, right, all I've got to do is get in the top, I think it's top five or something for the heat. So I just stayed behind and just made sure I got in, you know. And then, and then you have to just focus. I was told to put the medal away. My 800 meter medal away <laughs> and pretend I had done it. <laughs> Put that away. Yeah, take it off your neck. Yeah. It's weighing you down. It's hitting all the other runners. <laughs> yeah, so that was it really. And then uh, did the heat semi final. <laughs> And the final, again, didn't go in there thinking I can win. I just went in thinking I'm in the shape of my life and I can only almost lose by mess, messing up. Yeah. And the one thing that I remember is in 2000, when I went to Sydney Olympic Games, I got a bronze medal. How I got that, I don't know, because I'd been injured like literally the whole year and I'd only done six weeks of running. The rest was in a gym, doing weights, circuits, uh, water running, which is like with a Point yeah, their vest yeah. round you, um, simulating training. I was in rowing. That's all I did for the whole season until six weeks of running, and I got a bronze medal. And I went into the fifteen hundred as well. I got into the final, and my head just went. And I came eighth or something. And my coach at that time was so upset because he thought I could have won a medal again, despite not even shouldn't have even been at those games you know what yeah, I mean like yeah. suddenly I've got a bronze medal and he's like how the everyone's like how did you get you that get another one. <laughs> so he was so upset and I just thought you know what I've had so many people support me to that point I don't want to let myself down or the team down because at this point it was about the team you know yeah. the physio the training partner everybody that had been so pro me you know being part of that journey to help me just stay injury free stay healthy be happy all of those things I thought I can't let them down either so I just had to stay like totally in the zone and I think because of that and I was already at the shape of my life and it just came through I like I said I believe in fate anyway so mm. you know all the shit I got I I, I deserved to get some good in the yeah. end because yeah. <laughs> I put in the work I didn't give up you know it's when people give up you think how the hell did you do it you know because you, yeah. you know I'm bothered whereas I was like totally on it <laughs> so two gold medals yeah. Where'd you go from there? But I, I obviously, um, prior to winning both of those, people yeah. knew who you were, right? But not like no. That that's that puts you right in the limelight. And I know you won Sports Personality of the Year and things like that, didn't you? Like, I know. It, I won like all, twenty other awards, yeah. like really? World World Athlete of the Year and BBC Golden Moment of the Year. Oh, everything. It was At this weird, point, weird. Kelly's just brought all of her awards out. Yeah, yeah it's like, like clink, clink, clink. <laughs> yeah. Did you get got an a big Olympic black sack of them? Uh, no, I didn't get really? an Olympic No, That's the first thing I'd do. Really? Rings, yeah. Nah. I want this. I'm an Olympian. Yeah, yeah glad you asked. <laughs> just on the, on the neck there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I carried on for another year. 
I ended up getting injured again in 2005 and just thought, oh, why am I doing this? You know? Did you think about just stopping after that 1500 no. meter race? No, everyone was saying. No, actually I still had three, I still had three Grand Prix to run and then the World Athletics final. And the World Athletics final is a status of being number one in the world. Just because you win two gold medals doesn't make you number one in the world because yeah. it goes on races doesn't over it? the year. No. Surely it should. <laughs> it should do, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So I ended up having to run these other races. And the first race I came out on, a Russian beat me, who I, he's later done for drugs, just put it Cheating. out there. Um, uh, yeah. Um, and then I thought, no, switch on because at the world championship final, I really wanted to be number one in the world. So I went like a, thing possessed in that race in Monaco just to win it just to say I could be I was like literally number one in the world so that was like brilliant time then I carried on but of course you know I come back from that and there's so many things happening yeah. isn't there and you were wearing high heels now and yeah, yeah. things your legs aren't used to and <laughs> going out partying a little bit too much yeah. and yeah not looking after yourself and did you have um the opportunity to meet lots of like new famous people mm-hmm Who's, was there anyone that you met who you were a bit starstruck with? Yeah, I mean, I'm not really like that anyway, but I remember being at the, um, oh, that's what you call it now. Uh, sit where the Queen goes, what they do for Britain's Got Talent. Royal Variety Show. So I remember yeah. being at the Royal Variety Show. Just say Buckingham Palace. And, um, <laughs> Queen goes. Oh, yeah, I got that as well. <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I remember being at the Royal Variety Show, and I think I was presenting, who was it at the time? Like All Saints or one of the girl groups. Yeah. And I was backstage, and uh, Elton John came in and literally ran over to me, picked me up and swung me like around my legs right, going, ah, <laughs> like that. I was just like, oh my God, this is yeah. so weird. That would, I would this that'd is so make weird. my life if I would do that. <laughs> you know, I love Elton John. I know. And I was lining up with like Barbara Windsor and all these, it just, yeah, just surreal. You know, get my dame hood and... Was that all yeah, straight yeah. after Athens? Yeah, so, yeah, sort of 2004, 2005 it kind of just carries on because yeah. you, you know but then you have to decide and I never thought about retiring because the thing is I'd always like I say you're in the moment you can't think about future when you're trying to achieve something big I think that's trying, you know when you're trying to make mindset isn't it yeah but even in your fitness goals you can't think like right down there because you've got to do the process to get fitter and stronger and cover and change your shape of body and your attitude to food and behaviours you know that's a bit longer term because people can't go from one to the other it doesn't last so you know that whole thing of what do you think of next I didn't think about retiring I didn't think about the fact that I was going to win two gold medals and I thought I'd win two gold medals you know yeah, so yeah. like suddenly everyone's going oh, are you going to retire like oh what am I going to do you know what am I going to do if I retire really yeah. that's all I had yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so when, when um, you got the dame ship damehood yeah damehood is yes. it damehood um, <laughs> yeah how did you find out about that? Do they send you a letter? Yeah, a letter you? from Buckingham Palace. Oh, you don't get someone turn up at the door with an <laughs> outfit on it. <laughs> no, you get a letter. Yeah. I'd already had my MBE. <laughs> I'd already yeah. had my MBE, which is member of the British Arm. Uh, sorry, member of the British Empire for services to the British Army. You'd had already that had 90, that. Yeah, ninety-eight. I got given that. Oh, really? So yeah. that same same treatment, right? You get invited to the palace. Yeah. Yeah. And I was given that by 
Prince Charles. And then, obviously, when I got told about the dame head, I really wanted the Queen to give it to me. So yeah. that was a big moment. Did she? Yes. What did she say? She asked how my injury was. Did she? Oh, bless her. Story of my life. Yeah. How's no. injury? Yeah. Did you say, stop going on about me? You're like, what the hell? <laughs> no. Imagine, oh, it was an amazing day. It was just like, I won't go through it. It was an absolutely amazing day. Yeah, I bet. And... Uh, family and yeah did you get to take people with you then yeah to my grand my granddad's my dad and well my stepdad my granddad and my mum how we proud went. well I they mean, were proud i mean i grew up in you know the council yeah. state in hildenborough so having a limo come and pick us up and my granddad putting his little oh. decanter out and he's uh it'd been up in stairs for years this decanter and he had to bring it out that morning he says oh i'm posh now you know coming out really oh, council yeah. house <laughs> <laughs> go in the back of the palace in a limo like wow brilliant. <laughs> so I'd say do a brilliant. few blocks do a few rounds to the block <laughs> exactly just windows open yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so that was a bit of a big day was that really surreal yeah I oh, know you've been there already haven't you you've done it you've got the MBE no it was it was in a mad yeah it was just a weird day I mean like, the thing that I found with it I really wanted to have the swords over your shoulders yeah because yeah. the men get that so dame is exactly the same as a sir lady and lord of politics so um i thought oh we get the, get the swords. so we're in there so they separate everyone that's getting like mbes obes cbs to them people getting like damehoods and sirs and whatever and you separate yeah. you up and we go into this big room big huge room there's nothing small in buckingham yeah. palace is it you know the and they've got this room, yeah. general sort of giving you all the <laughs> Uh, protocols and all the guys were going through the process and I said Dame Kelly so go, go over <laughs> go over and I go to kneel down and he went oh no 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 Dame Kelly ladies don't kneel down I was like what <laughs> that's not what I came here for <laughs> no, no, no 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 I'm having the swords and he said fucking sword yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. get your like, sword out I said no seriously I have to so I had this guy on. I mean, Buckingham Palace isn't some small little thing, is it? You know, no. it's not some little council house. This is huge. You're walking for miles and miles and miles to get anywhere. A massive, you know, it's 20 so foot grand, ceilings. And yeah, it's yeah, just it's mental. mental. So I had this guy on all the way and they were doing the possession sort of thing in the orchestra room. Yeah. So they have the big organs right at the back. All your family and friends are like sort of facing forwards and then you have the big stage and the Gurkhas come in and the beef eaters come in and the Queen comes in from the opposite end and you're standing by this humongous wooden double door thing and uh, had this guy on like literally 40 minutes like all the way down down there saying that I was going to kneel down and he kept going, I said, who's <laughs> going... Um, he said, no, 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 Dame Kelly, you, you really mustn't. I was like, I am. I'm literally going <laughs> to kneel down. So as they called Dame so Kelly Holmes, I looked behind me and I kind of mouthed to him, watch me, you know, like mouth to him. Yeah. And he's like, you know, like all fla <laughs> flapping. And I told all the others because where I was lining up, because I was already had my military award, I was with all the military guys as well. And they were laughing, like, you know, because they could just imagine me going in there and just kneeling down and breaking every protocol ever. And yeah, I was like, yeah. got there, I was like, nah, just do the curtsy. It's <laughs> <laughs> a queen. Yeah, it's a queen. That was mad. I've tried a curtsy in high heels. I mean, yeah, jeez. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny that they don't do that. Because they, so for the, for the knighthoods, they do still yeah. give them the old sword. No, not the women. Not no, fair, I need to it? change that. I need to yeah. change yeah, that. Right. Not in this women are quite happy kneeling down. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that was a good moment. 
But yeah, things change. I mean, the thing is, I'm probably more well-known now than I ever was back then because I've yeah. known in sport and then you win something and you become like the person. But unless you're into sport or remain in sport, it doesn't mean that everyone, everyone knows that person at the moment, don't they? Yeah. But if you kind of go, like, name me 10 athletes that won gold medals at 2012, I bet you'd find it hard push to really think about 10 yeah. gold yeah. medalists, yeah. even from... 2016 Rio yeah. you know it's yeah. only now you're starting to get more names in the thing because sports become more high profile you can yeah. probably think that somebody did yeah. but uh, yeah so I think I'm more probably well known now generally just because of the long time that I've had it yeah and I think when people see you on different yeah, things it's a bit you know so after that you get invited on more yeah things, yeah and just become an old hat then don't you like <laughs> when all the newbies come behind you and you have to try and keep your your own status somewhere yeah do you still follow it now athletics <laughs> not as much just because um oh, busy life busy with your own stuff, yeah. yeah i mean i'm obviously interested and there's still even a couple of people that i competed with in the same team are still competing so yeah. yeah and i know a couple of the younger ones that i've met along the way and I used to run a mentoring education program for 10 years uh, to help transition junior athletes into senior athletics. So nice. um, they're still competing. Kelly, have you, I know the answer to this because I looked earlier, you've still got some British records, haven't you? Yeah, they're getting slowly taken, but I suppose they? records are there to be broken, aren't they? Um, yeah, so I have the 600, 800,000 metres on the outdoors. Must be annoying though when someone breaks a record. you still yeah. got all of that? Yeah, wow. yeah. I mean, eight hundred since nineteen ninety six. So it still stood for this test of time. You'd yeah. you'd hope, you know, people you say, oh, so then, yeah, it's nice to have the records, but I I am under the opinion that things have to move on to be anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, twenty two years later, you'd hope somebody's come out, and you yeah. <laughs> otherwise the poor show really. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, thirteen well, years since I've retired. I would, I would like, like, if I had a record, I wouldn't want anyone to ever break it. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, but then no one could take me the gold medals away. That's so true, I'd rather have the gold that. medals than the records, to be honest. Where yeah. do you, where are they? The uh, where do you keep them? I have at home. Safe, but they're really. not like up on the wall or anything. No, a lot of my other stuff is, but I have a little shine up top of my house. Do you? All little trophy cabinet. And and I haven't got one. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you have. You liar. <laughs> little shrine with his Cub Scout <laughs> badge. His swimming badge. <laughs> and his on swimming, it. yeah. It's just hey, a little hey, shrine, hey. loads of different photos of Rick. That's what I have in my room. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so. um Yep, life changes, move on, and then, like now, like I say, I think I'm more into my fitness than I have been in the last, well, than I was in the first 10 years of retiring, without a doubt, because your mindset changes. I've been always been really busy, I've never really needed to be fit for anything particular, just to sort of turn up and yeah. die trying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did the London Marathon in 2016, you know, that was a big tick in the... D Nice. to go oh, I did that never thought I'd run a marathon and then end up getting involved and did it so you know it's things like that now that I think oh actually I'll just do something because it's a big feat you know it takes me a long time is there time anything you have bucket train. list that you'd want to do that you haven't already done no I mean I'd like to do a good half marathon nothing there's nothing really I like to do bigger challenges now because I'm yeah. hoping that my training and me doing something I'm quite 
very, very open with how I feel about training and when it's hard and I hate it or when I'm loving it and up for it. And that's what I think people are, yeah. you know. I don't want people to see me just as an Olympian anymore. I want them to yeah. know that I won the Olympics because I got there through hard work, determination, commitment, you know, all of that, because I hope that inspires people. But I want people now to know that I train because I feel good, it makes me feel good. I try and inspire people and motivate people yeah. and that's really what I want to be known for. But it also doesn't mean that some days you don't drag yourself through a training session as <laughs> yeah. well, right? Oh, <laughs> God, yeah, mostly at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like to text Chris this morning, oh, God, I'm like knackered, I've done <laughs> 46 yesterday. People say, oh, you can have a rest day, but I'm travelling tonight, I'm going to South Africa, I've got rest day tomorrow, so I thought, no, I've got to do it. So sometimes you do drag yourself out yeah, because yeah. you just want those little gains because then in my head it's like, well, I can rest now for next Yeah, no days. one ever regrets a workout like that, though. Do you? Like yeah. when you finish, no, you feel you... so like hundreds yeah. times. Yeah. But it's getting out. It's getting into the hardest part is getting into the gym. Yeah. Or getting onto the track. And yeah. Once you're there. Or getting out of bed. Well, I think eighty percent is. I think eighty percent of people in the fitness industry are only doing it to feel good and look a bit better <laughs> how they want to feel. They're not there to do anything major it's 20 percent that enter everything they're trying to either yeah. be good yeah, physically because that. they've got you know they've got an aim to push so much or whatever um or do a really good marathon or a run or a ride or something else everybody else is just doing it because it's about health fitness well-being shape look good so they can eat excuse to eat and drink you know yeah. it's yeah, all of that so all of it, yeah. yeah you know so and i'm kind of half i'm three quarters that do it just because I love my food and you yeah, know, yeah. my friends have got me into G&T and stuff uh, <laughs> combat that and then the other bit is because actually when I go and do something <laughs> I want to do it well yeah Kelly if you um, are going to have yeah. a cheat meal yeah you can only have one it's your death row meal what, Thai, thai all the way what pad thai no just thai just thai, love thai, thai curry food. yeah <laughs> red thai prawn red thai curry yes nice. With a pad thai, yum. Yeah, pad thai is absolutely mine. We don't have many ties around here, do we? What, we've got the chain? Giggling squid. Seven yeah. yeah, I love that. I'm always there. there while, yeah. Always there. We're going there nice now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're, We're recording for <laughs> <laughs> What would yours be, Rick? Mm. I'm quite a carb head, so it would probably be some sort of pasta, probably Italian some sort of pesto pasta kind of a vibe I think pesto what's yours vindaloo no I don't really <laughs> like curry all that much so yeah. no um, I'd go I'd go beef bourguignon <laughs> <laughs> what's that funny it's just annoying fish and chips just the words annoying <laughs> yeah <laughs> fish right. and chips from Hastings or something yeah maybe yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah. <laughs> so do you've um you opened the cafe as well, right? Was that after yeah. the um, Olympic careers all over? Yeah, so Athletics I, careers all done and dusted. Was that a goal, something you wanted to do? Yes. Fall into your lap or what? Yeah, I was a paper round girl in this sweet shop and I worked in it when I was 16 behind the till. said I was going to buy the building. Had no idea why other than it was sort of a community hub. I've grown up in Hilborough all my life, so village wanted to put something there that just brought people together nice. tried to buy the place for about 15 years during my athletics army career yeah the guy ben there engine guy 
had it same ridiculous amount of money and you know it's falling through the floors and the ceilings were hanging down I was like nah 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 and then eventually about five years five years ago now if not a bit more um, I got it uh, 90% ripped down redone changed and yeah it's been open just over three and a half years now nice. cafe 1809 after my Athens running number right uh, yeah a little bit of vibe on that and um, it's beautiful in there actually yeah, really it's a nice place. Be. We get a lot of cyclists now, so it's become a oh, cycling cafe just because I started getting into my cycling just to, I don't know, do something else, be a bit fitter, yeah. um, encourage women in particular to try things out. And so I got sponsored by Specialized, the cycling company, because that was their mission to get more women into cycling. Oh, nice. And uh, now the cafe on Saturdays and Sundays has become like a cycling hub so that's been good excellent so you've got yeah. a manager in there that runs it for you do you yeah, have to get I've involved yourself and stuff first two years i was pretty much there every day because i oh, think really? when you start your own business yeah. but i never had an ambition to be standing there making a cup of coffee to be honest so yeah. um i took i've taken a step back from yeah. it uh still have to keep your hand in yeah. like you do don't yeah. you but um yeah it's 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 all right you know it's a hard industry yeah like a lot you know you don't make a lot as being coffees yeah. and cakes it's not a good industry in terms of trying you know for me it's not a business it has to self-run itself yeah. i don't take anything out of it i don't want to i just want it to run itself so trying to use it more now as a venue so people hire it out for okay, events cool, and yeah. meetings and whatever um and that's i think the way to go for that so again yeah. you know in life when you have businesses you have to think about what's right what's wrong not be afraid to change things up take risks and you know and that's the only way you can keep moving forward with the times i think to you know if you keep it going in your original vision yeah things change five years down the line so yeah, you've yeah. got to move on yeah you've yeah, certainly got, you've got, got to be on. flexible haven't you? yeah so um to wrap up i think um where can people follow you and find out more about what you're doing um and certainly in terms of your fitness bits and bobs yeah so what's the best platforms to well, currently it's um, my Instagram, which is Real Kelly Holmes 1500, my Twitter, which is Dame Kelly Holmes, Facebook's Dame Kelly Holmes, um, and then hopefully I start to build a few different sort of programs and platforms for runners. Yeah. I'm currently writing a lifestyle book at the moment, which is about mindset, a bit around mental health and how you detect, you know, how you feel and whatever, <coughs> nutrition and um, fitness around running. Nice. basically so yeah that hopefully comes out December sometime cool working on it at the moment yeah, yeah I've been working on it at the moment I'm not Christmas. good at sitting down <laughs> and <laughs> writing <laughs> that is not my forte but yeah. it should be alright it should be alright be slightly different nice sort of coffee table book really cool yeah so and obviously still coming here to better body yeah. like you do www.betterbody.co.uk yeah. oh yeah where athletes train. Where athletes and real people train. And real peoples. <laughs> <laughs> and real peoples as well, sorry. Because <laughs> athletes aren't real people. <laughs> yeah. No, we're freaks of nature. Yeah. Nice one. Dame Kelly Holmes, thank you so much.